Well, welcome to a special hour of broadcasting here on The Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. Haven't turned our center of attention onto the Middle East in quite some time. But there's a brand new novel that's out that came out uh, just a couple of days ago by a very, very, uh, boy, I'll tell you what, it's a political thriller from Joel C. Rosenberg. It just came out a couple of days ago. And man, is it flying off the shelves because people love some Joel Rosenberg. It's called The Libyan Diversion. It's the fifth. Uh, basically, this is uh, Marcus Riker uh, novel. The world's most wanted terrorist is now dead. The intelligence was rock solid, but what if it was wrong? Uh, the Marcus Riker series continues with this Joel Rosenberg book, and we've got a link for it up at thebottomlineshow.com. Joel joins me in about 10 minutes to talk about this brand new work, and boy, are we excited uh, to have this here on The Bottom Line Show. You know, it's been a while since we've heard the Middle East in the... In the news, uh, there's been so much talk about Russia and Ukraine, and it was interesting over the past couple of weeks, I've had the opportunity to be a part of uh, uh, my, my son, Jake, is a student at California State University in Fullerton, and uh, go Titans, and my daughter, Kaylee, has uh, recently graduated from the University of Southern California, and their sister, uh, Emily, who lives in Texas, uh, graduated from Kent State last year, but... When you get around this time of year, it's the end of the year for concerts and because our kids are in musical stuff and the end of the year for, you know, graduation addresses. It's been interesting, even going back to my wife Lisa's graduation back in December, to hear how the, uh, the, the academic world is looking at the world right now. They were just talking about, oh, we made it through a pandemic and we made it, we're, we're living in war times and whatever. I mean, I, I'm not going to mince words here, brothers and sisters. When it comes to what's happening between Russia and Ukraine, it's kind of a collective yawn right now from the international community. I think both sides thought that this would be over um, a lot sooner than it actually turned out to be. But you know what we haven't heard from in a while, especially since President Biden took office, is anything that has to do with the Middle East. And I think that's intentional. When President Trump was in office, and I know he's thrilled to be exonerated in the Durham report, I mean, anybody who could read a report could see that what the FBI was doing was weaponizing the FBI against Donald Trump. They invented the whole Russian collusion story. The reality is they didn't want him in office, and they figured that if they went and spread a couple of good lies everywhere, you know, that they could uh, convince the American media, and they did. That the American media whether it be the leftists and those who are in the kind of mushy middle, and even some of those of the hardcore right who did not like the idea that Donald Trump won the White House in 2016, uh, had to come up with some boogeyman story, and they did. The FBI, uh, taking direction from those who were in charge of the FBI who were imported, uh, in, appointed by the previous administration, knew that they could just blow off this type of uh, lie and people would believe it. Now, hold on to that thought, because the idea here is that, remember what we saw after the 2020 election, the big lie, the big steal, Donald Trump's a liar, baseless claims, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Well, okay, so Trump, for all intents and purposes, tried essentially to do the same thing. They knew that laws had been changed illegally. They knew that a lot of the mail-in voting stuff would not stand up in court, but you have to go through all the different technicalities of who actually will file the reports, who has standing to go ahead and stand trial. You can't just go on TV and have Jenna Ellis host a press conference on Fox News Channel saying, we're going to win because we have evidence because they stole it from us and expect everyone to cave. doesn't work like that. The FBI, though, was able to mount that case against the Trump administration. And for five years, they were winning. Court of public opinion. Donald Trump lied about Russia. Donald Trump colluded with Russia. Donald, the Russians stole the election from Hillary Clinton. None of that was true. One thing that was true, though, is that when Donald Trump was in the White House, religious liberty was the order of the day when it came to international dealings. And Israel, a longtime ally of the United States, was actually treated like an ally for once. But it's interesting because uh, Guy Milieri writes in the Gatestone Institute International Policy Council publication from just a couple of days ago that in the first time in Israel's short history, there's a large-scale movement that's been launched using an undemocratic means to overthrow a democratically elected government. The government that is in fact trying to restore democracy by reforming Israeli Supreme Court practices that were adopted back in the 1990s. They allow the unelected, unaccountable Supreme Court justices to deliver rulings based on, quote-unquote, reasonableness, 
than rather on actual written law. The Supreme Court currently says to have uh, basically virtually limitless power, and the new government is trying really hard to get that out of office. Well, guess who the big enemy is? That's right, (laughs) the Biden administration. Literally, the Biden administration has in fact launched some rockets over Israel that uh, basically are saying, hey, look, we're doing this because we're trying to knock down these missiles that are coming in and being uh, attacking them. But for all intents and purposes, the Biden administration, which is kind of a carryover of the Obama administration, literally, I mean, as soon as Biden took office, they restored U.S. funding to the Palestinian Authority. Here's your money. Here's your weaponry. But they didn't ask them to stop supporting terrorism. They didn't even ask them to stop inciting violence. The Biden administration opened a U.S. office of Palestinian affairs and installed, quote, Hadi Amir, who has been admitted, who has admitted to being inspired by the Palestinian infantada as a, quote unquote, special representative for Palestinian affairs at the U.S. office of Palestinian affairs. Yikes. So basically, the enemy of Israel right now is no longer their biggest ally, the U.S. It is the U.S. Iran's mullahs can also see that the United Arab Emirates, back in 2021, signed a contract with the Chinese company Huawei, now building a 5G network in the Gulf state, thereby making the UAE totally vulnerable to Chinese intelligence penetration. And at the same time, that contract was followed by the cancellation of a $23 billion arms purchase by guess who? That's right, the U.S. Love Donald Trump, hate Donald Trump. When it came to international policy, it was all based on religious liberty, first and foremost, number one. And number two, with Israel as our friend. And now, what do we find? And it doesn't even make the headlines. Oh, no, no, no. We all have to vote. Donald Trump, sexual assault. That's the most important thing. Not the fact that the United States is basically trying to destroy Israel. Now, during the Obama administration, there are a lot of people who said, okay, you know, we get it. There's the apology tour. There's the currency tour. But the U.S. is still, you know, kind of strong arming. Uh, then uh, Prime Minister Netanyahu was very, very cordial to the U.S., didn't want to uh, didn't want to poke the bear any. But there was a glory hallelujah that came up from the West Bank when Donald Trump was elected. Now, though, Trump's been out of office for three years and you see how difficult it is. And it's very interesting. By establishing, according to this uh, article in Gaddestone Institute, um, in addition to seeing the Mullah influence and the U.S. Office of Palestinian Affairs, which is completely woke, if you will, uh, the Biden administration basically has eroded America's influence in the Middle East. That means other U.S. allies in the Gulf are in big trouble. So what does that mean? Does it mean we should be paying more attention to what's happening in the Middle East? I believe it does. And that's the beautiful thing about the writing of Joel C. Rosenberg. He writes these thrillers that are fascinating. Uh, 13 novels, five nonfiction books, uh, more than 5 million copies of his work have been sold. He's the founder and chairman of the Joshua Fund, which is a nonprofit educational and charitable organization that he and his wife launched back in 2006 to mobilize Christians, quote, to bless Israel and her neighbors in the name of Jesus. And they use Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3 as the, uh, as the basis. Had the opportunity back in 2018 to talk with Joel Rosenberg about his book called The Kremlin Conspiracy, which is the previous one in this, theor- in this series. And uh, it'd be nice to welcome Joel C. Rosenberg back on the air here on The Bottom Line Show to talk about this. By the way, we have three copies of the book, The Libyan Diversion, to give away. So if you want to start dialing in and get lined up, 800-227-5278, is the number to get you through to The Bottom Line. Again, the brand new book by Joel C. Rosenberg, The Libyan Diversion, 800-227-5278. 
800-227-5278, the number to get you through to the bottom line. Joel Rosenberg up next as the bottom line continues. You can protect against market volatility without investing all your money into bonds. Wilson Financial has simply better alternatives. The last 12 months, there has been almost $1.7 trillion invested in investment-grade bonds. This move to safety locks up money for a long time of guaranteed low returns. Why? Market volatility. Well, my comment is why go with low earnings for a long time when you can get great earnings with a solid real estate-backed investment paying you 6% over the next three years. After three years, you can invest in another option, or you can do what most of our investors do and reinvest in another one of our new exclusive 6% accounts. This strategy gives you the best of both options without settling for many years of low returns. Our 3D Money 6% account pays you great interest while you're not subjecting yourself to market volatility. Call 800-696-9970, 800-696-9970, or visit kbrightradio.com slash Wilson Financial and ask about Dennis Wilson's exclusive real estate-backed 6% investment account. Wilson Financial Services, for simply better alternatives. Special guest joining me today here on the Bottom Line Show to talk about a topic that kind of has been swept under the rug in national headlines, and that's what's happening in the Middle East. What 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 I, what I ball should we be keeping our eye on, especially in the body of Christ? Uh, Joel C. Rosenberg has uh, uh, made a, a, a fantastic ministry of helping us, especially in the West, see what's going on in the Middle East uh, through the lens of Scripture. Uh, his fact-based fictional series have been selling bestsellers for years, and of course, some of his nonfiction work as well. His brand new book is called The Libyan Diversion. We've got a link up for the book at thebottomlineshow.com. It's just out this week, and we're joined by a Zoom connection here to, with Joel Rosenberg in Israel. Joel Rosenberg, welcome back to The Bottom Line Show today. Great to be with you from Jerusalem. It's an honor. Well, congratulations on the book release. I know that uh, the latest edition of Marcus and Company, uh, it's actually kind of been in the works and then it kind of held off for a little bit. And now it's finally seeing the light of day. Tell us about uh, how the Libyan diversion came to be released now, even though it's been done for a little while. Yeah, well, I wrote uh, three books during COVID. Uh, it was a horrific period for everybody, but for a, an author, being alone in a room all by yourself with nobody to interact with, that is our life. <laughs> and so um, because just because it was enforced legally was uh, I thought, all right, Lord, what am I going to how am I going to use this time wisely? And so I ended up writing three books, um, two of which got released uh, in fairly short order. The Beirut Protocol, which was the fourth in the Marcus Riker thriller series, and then my nonfiction book Enemies and Allies, which released in uh, September 2021. That was the 20th anniversary of 9-11. And the book Enemies and Allies basically asks, well, who are our enemies and who are our allies 20 years after 9-11? Because things have really changed over here in the Middle East. Uh, Al-Qaeda, for all intents and purposes, is dead. ISIS came and then is mostly gone. And so, you know, and alliances have changed. There's peace treaties now. So uh, that book was fascinating because it was, I, I rarely write nonfiction um, in terms of books. I enjoy it. But, um, but I happen to have been invited over the last five, six years to meet with almost all of the kings, crown princes, presidents, and prime ministers of the entire Middle East. It's it's been crazy to sit down and spend hours and hours and um and get them on the record. What do they think about the major issues? So that's what that book was about. Having put two books out in fairly short order, uh, my publisher thought, let's uh, let, let the market breathe a little. Let's let you breathe a little, Joel. And um, and so now we're finally out uh, this week uh, with the Libyan diversion. Look, readers, your audience, uh, readers will be uh, the judge of it. But I, I, for me, it was the most exciting and terrifying book uh, <laughs> that I've ever written. Um, and um, yeah, so I'm curious how people what people think about it. Well, we've got a link up at thebottomlineshow.com, and a couple of bottom line listeners are going to get the privilege of having a chance to read this because we'll be sending you a copy when we have our giveaway at the conclusion of our conversation here today. You mentioned this is terrifying, and I'm curious. Jerry Jenkins told me one time that he calls himself a pantser when it comes to writing fiction, as in, I write by the seat of my pants. I don't know where I'm going. I've got the character. I have kind of an arc, but you know, I, I'm just as surprised as everybody else to find out where they go. Is that how you approach? I mean, Marcus is in retirement. He's got some mixed feelings about what 
his career was like, and he kind of gets called back out of retirement into something that could potentially really take a, a potentially sullied reputation and make it even worse just because he would become a, a scapegoat for what's going on here. Talk about what, what your thought was in saying, let's bring this guy back into the battle one more time. Yeah. Well, look, I, my, Marcus Riker has become my favorite character of all the novel series I've done. I, I think it's the fourth different uh, series. And, and a lot of writers, um, at least in the thriller genre, will create one franchise character and they will run it out. You know, James Bond, you know, Ian Fleming, that, you know, you can't even think of another book right. by Ian Fleming except James Bond. And and that was true, you know, uh, for a number of writers, Lee, you know, Lee Reacher, Lee Child uh, as Jack Reacher and, you know, Vince Flynn uh, with uh, Mitch Rapp. But this is, but Marcus Riker, this is my fifth book, The Libyan Diversion, and I, and I love this character. So let me, so a quick backstory for the people that don't know. He basically, someone who, who signed up uh, to join the Marines on 9-11 because of watching the horror show unfold in New York and Washington and Pennsylvania. And uh, he, he, he goes into the Marines in a combat unit. He's sent to do multiple tours in Afghanistan and then in Iraq, and he's highly decorated but also wounded. Uh, multiple times and he comes back to the united states he marries his uh high school sweetheart um and he joins the united states secret service where he's where he's um uh, promoted to the elite presidential protective detail so what what makes mark is interesting to me is that he's not an assassin james bond had a license to kill he right. was an assassin essentially uh jason Bourne, right out of the robert ludlum series and the movies of course assassin mitch rap in the vince flynn series assassin and and many thrillers are i won't go into all of them but but marcus marcus is trained and he knows how to kill if he has to but he his main his main instincts and training is not so much to hunt but is to protect mm. and what what and he's very very good at it at protecting his country protecting its leaders but something happens in the first book that is just devastating to him because two people that he loves very, very dearly are murdered. And he he's rattled by this as, as anybody would be. He he you know, he's, he feels like he, he feels guilty. He's not just grieving. He feels guilt because he spent his entire career protecting his country and its leaders mm -hmm. and its freedoms. And he hasn't been able to protect two of the people closest and dearest to him and it weighs on him that's what you're uh, uh referring to and and when i started uh writing marcus uh, as a character started this series those are the two things i wanted to define him that he was incredibly gifted and skilled and trained and experienced at what he does but he's also deeply wounded not just physically but, but spiritually psychologically emotionally and the question becomes how does he overcome this to have to deal with other threats that are sort of forcing him out of, you know, a, 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 an early retirement. In the Libyan diversion, uh, well, I'll just say, I mentioned the Beirut Protocol a moment ago. Yeah. What was interesting about the Beirut Protocol was I decided, okay, I'd taken three books to set up his skills and his wounds, but then I said, let's knock out his skills. So he gets captured, he and two colleagues, uh, on the Israeli Lebanon border. Um, he's doing an advance trip for the Secretary of State who's coming through and he's supposed to make sure everything's fine. Well, it's not fine. There's a, a there's a there's a terrorist attack. There's a huge firefight. That's how the Beirut Protocol opens. I'm not there's no spoilers. I'm not even giving it away. This is literally the first few chapters. And he but he gets captured, he and two colleagues, and dragged deep under and behind enemy lines. So in the Beirut Protocol, which is book four. We already know his skills. Now he can't use them. He's literally trapped. And even if he can find a way to get out, the, his two colleagues are so more badly wounded than him, he's not sure they can run mm. with him. And so does he leave them behind? Does he stay with them? Like, wh what's he supposed to do? So he's got, he's got some moral and ethical quandaries. But now, in the Libyan diversion, something I had to think, all right, well, what's another way that I can neutralize his skills because he's facing the worst terrorist in the world, a guy named Abu Nakba, 
which in Arabic means the father of catastrophe. Mm. And these guys have been going at each other for several books. But in this one, Abu Nakba is thinking, I've met my match. I, I can't seem to get, I can't seem to kill enough Americans, uh, he's, this character's thinking. And yeah. because I keep being thwarted at the last minute by this ingenious and very skilled Marcus Riker. So basically, long story short, without giving anything away, Abu Nakba sets up a diversion. He sets up a trap to cause Marcus Riker to be discredited in the eyes of the president of the United States and the National Security Council and, and Washington and, and, and the American people. It's not just a private issue. It becomes a public issue and nobody listens to him anymore. Mm. And that's designed to mask what Abu Nakba is really trying to do. He's really trying to get his terrorist teams inside the United States by crossing through the U.S.-Mexican border and bringing in radioactive nuclear dirty bombs to commit uh, um, mass casualty attacks that will make 9-11 pal by comparison. So this is the this is the setup of the Libyan diversion because you both have this character who many people have come to love and, and admire and, and be impressed with. Now, like people are turning on him, his closest, his you know, his closest uh, you know, friends and allies, and the president of the United States isn't sure that he wants to listen to the Marcus anymore, which is a problem yeah. as the as the terrorists move into the country, and that's yeah. that's the setup. And you know, it's supposed to be fiction, but what's happening in the headlines every day in terms of the the border crisis that's actually unfolding, and the number of terrorists trying to actually get into the United States right now. I gotta tell you, I'm not. I'm not trying to predict what's going to happen, but I'm very worried <laughs> that the president of the United States right now, President Biden, is not even trying to stop the 5.7 million people that have already illegally crossed into the United States just since Biden took office. I'm not trying to be a partisan. I'm trying to be a patriot. I'm saying this is insane. He is the president is responsible for protecting that border from invasion and 5.7 million people flowing into the country is an invasion and terrorists and drug runners and human traffickers and organized crime are coming with them. It's a bad situation and it could get much, much worse. Powerful words from Joel Rosenberg today here on The Bottom Line, talking about uh, a plot point in the new novel, The Libyan Diversion, which actually is playing out right before our eyes with the release of uh, uh, the, the 42 and the 5.7 million who have come in over the past two and a half years. We've got a link for this brand new book up at thebottomlineshow.com, also a link for joelrosenberg.com at thebottomlineshow.com. More of this conversation with Joel C. Rosenberg in just a moment as The Bottom Line continues. Don't believe your insurance company is looking out for you. They're not. They want you to call them after you're in an accident, but you shouldn't handle that alone. That's where Stephanie Cover of Cover Law shines. With 20 years of insurance industry experience, she knows all the angles and will fight for your rights. Insurance companies pretend to be your partner, but in reality, their primary goal is to pay you as little as possible. When you work with Cover Law, Stephanie becomes your negotiator, and the insurance companies must talk to her, not you. You need to rest and heal. Stephanie is different from other attorneys. She's fully invested in your legal, medical, financial, emotional, and spiritual needs. After an accident, you don't want to deal with insurance adjusters who want to minimize your payout. So don't wait. Contact Cape Wright's personal injury attorney today at capewrightradio.com slash coverlaw. You won't pay a dime to talk to someone who truly cares about your healing. Welcome back to the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. We have reached the midpoint of a fascinating conversation with author Joel C. Rosenberg today here on the program. We are celebrating the release of his brand new book called The Libyan Diversion. The link for the book is up at thebottomlineshow.com. Marcus Riker, everyone's favorite agent, has been brought back out of retirement and uh, recommends a drone strike. And all of a sudden, now that the world's most wanted terrorist is dead, this is in the book, um, 
what does this mean for him where it looks like they've been set up? Fascinating storytelling and very, very topical uh, theme for discussion with regard to the Libyan diversion, what's happening in the Middle East, and oh, by the way, what could be storming and waiting for us at the U.S. border with regard to nationals from all different countries uh, coming in. This book is a must-read. It just came out a couple days ago, and it's shooting up the charts, as they say. We have three copies to give away. It's kind of like an Everyone Wednesday on Thursday. 800-227-5278. The number to get you through to the bottom line. Again, the brand new book from Joel Rosenberg called The Libyan Diversion. It's part of the Marcus Riker series, and it's a, one of those fantastic novels uh, that Joel does. I mean, literally taking source material from people who know what's happening on Capitol Hill, what's happening in the Middle East. And I, I, Jerry Jenkins was the first guy I ever heard use this expression. He called it faction or fact-based fiction. Joel, I mean, 17 novels, but also five nonfiction works as well. This is definitely a novel, but as you read it, you're going to see some parallels to things that are happening right now or could potentially be happening in the not-too-distant future. And for us as believers, too, on the one hand, it's, it's very important to pay attention to world events as they will impact our country. Hands down, no question. I mean, the, the, the FBI, the Durham report that came out earlier this week talking about how the FBI overstepped its authority and went after uh, then-President Donald Trump uh, with regard to the Russian collusion hoax and uh, the Durham saying, hey, look, I mean, they, obviously they went up against judges a couple of years ago and were not able to get the criminal charges for lying and, you know, the, the falsifying evidence, the Steele dossier, etc., but the fact that the current national security advisor for the president of the United States is the guy who authorized all of this stuff to happen, these FISA warrants that were not warranted. And, you know, it's, it's, you can't make this stuff up. And just because we don't find out about it in real time doesn't mean that when you read a book like The Libyan Diversion, you can't look at this and say, hey, wait, I can connect the dots. I can put two and two together and figure out what's happening in the world. So it's fascinating reading. Uh, Joel Rosenberg, The Libyan Diversion. We have three copies of this exciting new novel to give away. 800-227-5278. is the number to get you through to the bottom line. Uh, we'll take a quick break, and when we come back, more of my conversation with Joel Rosenberg. We're going to talk about the Rosenberg Report that airs every Thursday night, 9 p.m. Eastern on TBN, and also a couple of his websites that you can and should be following regarding all things Middle East from the Israeli perspective and also from the Arab perspective. That's coming up next as The Bottom Line continues. Joel C. Rosenberg is my guest today here on The Bottom Line. I'm Roger Marsh. I needed a cup of water or something after our first segment conversation about his brand new novel called The uh, Libyan Diversion, because my goodness, talk about art imitating life. And I know, Joel, we were talking during the break about how you didn't necessarily want to be right on this, but you're, the, 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 uh, the cast has certainly been set. Earlier in our conversation, you were discussing the fact that you have been uh, the guest of heads of state in the Middle East, uh, meeting kings and uh, and leaders through there. But I know that you have a pretty avid following of people here in the United States who wear some pretty uh, uh, hefty laurels as well, former President Bush, um, Mike Pence, et cetera. Um, I wonder, what does uh, Mike Pompeo think about all this? I mean, in terms of uh, you know his time as CIA Secretary of State, I mean, I I'm sure he has some input. Well, you know, I, one of the things that uh, has surprised me, Roger, over the 20 some years that I've been writing political thrillers is, yeah, who reads them? I mean, I'm, I'm happy when just anybody, when my mother can find the book <laughs> in a bookstore within 100 miles of her house, that's a, that's a success. And, sure. You know, the fact that there's some 5 million sold means that there's obviously a broad uh, interest. But you're right. Uh, when there's world leaders or national leaders that are interested, that is that is not something I expected when my career began. But what happened? You're right. So so when Mike Pompeo was the was a House member, he was a member of Congress. He was on the Intelligence Committee. He started reading my thrillers and uh, had one of his uh, staffers contact me and say, "Hey, look, if you're ever up on Capitol Hill when you're back from Israel." Um, you know, my boss is uh, interested in your work. He's a fan of your of your novels. Why don't you come up and have coffee with him? He'd like to meet you. Mm. So that was a that thing was the beginning of a very interesting friendship. To quote the end of uh, Casablanca. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, but who knew, right, that he would go on to become the next director of the Central Intelligence Agency under President Trump and Vice President Pence. So uh, 
I've actually gotten to know three former directors of the CIA over the years. I got my uh, my Marcus Riker CIA CIA mug here. Um, that I'm, uh, <laughs> Love it. Enjoying. So what happened was, of course, I didn't go. Of course, Pompeo went from CIA then to be the seventieth Secretary of State. So when the administration was over, I invited Pompeo to do an event with me in Washington, actually at the Museum of the Bible, mm. on the 20th anniversary of the 9-11 attacks. Um, but DC would be a good place. I, I was re releasing that book, Enemies and Allies. Uh, Pompeo was a major element of that book. He'd been a source uh, of mine for the nonfiction book, Enemies and Allies. And I thought, let's do this event and just talk about where are we 20 years after 9-11? Who are our enemies and who are our allies? And how has that changed over the years? And he agreed very graciously. So in that event at the Museum of, of the Bible, I, uh, you know, we covered Russia, we covered Iran, we covered China, you know, all the usual suspects, North Korea. But then I said, Mr. Secretary, um, you know, you and I have known each other for a long time. We've talked about a lot of things, but but maybe there's things I haven't asked you, like what keeps you up at night? What What threats are out there that maybe I haven't even asked you about? and you haven't volunteered, but that we all ought to know about that we're not paying attention to. And Pompeo really surprised me by, he, he talked about ungoverned spaces on the northern Mexican border with the United States. And I said, mm. governed spaces, unpack that. He said, well, in Afghanistan, there was basically no central government, and that's that created a vacuum into which Al-Qaeda felt free to develop and that's where they launched the attacks from, right? That's where they train in those mm -hmm. ungoverned spaces. Same thing that's going on in Libya right now, in Yemen right now. But it's, he said it's also happening in northern Mexico. The Mexican government, Pompeo said, is effectively surrendering, uh, throwing up its hands on trying to govern the northern swath of territory up along the American border. And what's happening is they're giving up to whom? to drug cartels, mm -hmm, right. to uh, human traffickers, to organized crime syndicates and, and, and other uh, malefactors. And, and he goes, that's becoming incredibly dangerous. And 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 you just extrapolate all the fentanyl, you know, all those drugs coming in. Fentanyl is right, 50 right. times more deadly, 50, 50 yeah. times more deadly than heroin. And he goes, it's just flooding in. I mean, it wasn't under the Trump, Pence, Pompeo, era they, they were you know building a wall they were doing all these policies to to slow it down and try to stop it but he said under under biden they they, they just op they've literally opened the floodgates and hmm. they've stopped building the wall and so forth so anyway I, I was thinking about that that night and then the weeks days and weeks that followed and i thought wow that's truly chilling pompeo didn't really focus primarily on terrorists entering the country but that was a natural element also sure. so I thought that's that's going to be my next novel. And I didn't even tell him until I had him on my <laughs> Rosenberg Report TV show, uh, uh, primetime, uh, 9 p.m. Eastern on Thursday nights. Uh, you can find it at RosenbergReport.tv for past episodes. But all that. So I did a two-part series with Pompeo on uh, basically the same conversation. Where are we today? China, Russia, Iran, Mexico. We definitely focused on Mexico. And so... Uh, and that's when I told him, hey, by the way, my next novel, which is coming out very soon, uh, now, now it's out this week, The Libyan Diversion, is based on your your warning to me. And I, and he, and he, I so anyway, it's kind of fun. So yeah, he's a fan of the books. I'm very grateful to him. Uh, um, Pence is a fan. I, I, I had the opportunity to, to uh, bring copies of my books to meet with President Trump uh, in the Oval Office several years ago. Uh, you never really know. <laughs> When you're making things up for a living, uh, you know, uh, who's going to invite you to sit down and have a cup of coffee? Um, it's been very, very interesting. And sometimes yeah. I, um, I walk away with new ideas and new material for a future book. Yeah, well, I'm pleasantly surprised that they that, that these people not only invite you but also talk to you because they know that you've got that kind of mind and that ability to tell stories. And I, I, I'm going to graciously push back on your making things up for a living, Joel Rosenberg, because your fact based fiction has been so instructive and so helpful. And I, I know that's why it's entertaining and keeps people engaged. Is not just great storytelling, but the fact that there's so much truth behind it. Joel Rosenberg, my guest today here on the Bottom Line, the brand new novel is now available. It's called The Libyan 
Canadian Diversion just came out this week. Uh, go to joelrosenberg.com. You can find it on Amazon. We'll have it linked up at thebottomlineshow.com. Got about 90 seconds left in our conversation, Joel. And we'll also put a link up for the Rosenberg Report as well, because that is must-see TV, mm, as they used you. to say on NBC on Thursday nights. Yeah. Um, you are also the founder and editor-in-chief of a couple of news analysis websites, and they have rather interesting names, allisrael.com, of course. And are you still doing allarab.news? Or are those the two? Yeah, yeah allarab.news. News is a sister, yeah, a sister site, and they're interconnected. Yeah, yeah. Because, talk about, because, yeah. because I can't just write a novel and then talk about it on a book tour once a year. Like, there's so much happening in this part of the world, and that affects this part of the world from the United States, China, Russia, North Korea. That I have to, I, I had to build a couple platforms where we could talk about these issues and keep people informed, not just once a year, but every day uh, in the case of all Israel news and all Arab news and, and every week and we're doing Rosenberg report is the only prime time television news and analysis show on any network in the United States ever, not just now, but ever made in Israel. And I'm the host and, and we're covering, you know, and we're doing exclusive interviews and analysis of what's happening. I hope people find it uh, fascinating and, and, and a great place to know how better to pray for Israel and our neighbors and our enemies. Amen. Amen. So you get the entertainment value, of course, of the Joel Rosenberg novels, but also the edification of uh, what he's reporting on the Rosenberg Report at allisrael.com and allarab.news. And we've got all of those linked up. We'll just put joelrosenberg.com and you can find everything and navigate your way from there. Joel Rosenberg, I know you're a busy guy and uh, you stayed up late for us here and way into the evening hours in Jerusalem, but your new novel, The Libyan Diversion, is now out and we're celebrating along with you that uh, Marcus is back, at least for another go round here. And we have another exciting adventure for him. Thank you for being with us today here on The Bottom Line Show. Really appreciate it. My honor, Roger. Thank you so much. God bless you. Wow. And that's all I can say is wow. Uh, fantastic conversation with Joel Rosenberg today here on The Bottom Line. If you're just tuning in or if you uh, are listening on KCBC or picked up the last segment here that we just uh, were able to feature on The Bottom Line Show with my conversation with Joel Rosenberg. I highly recommend you go back to thebottomlineshow.com at the end of the broadcast today. Uh, part one of this conversation is up there. But man, I'll tell you, part two, the information that Joel Rosenberg has been sharing with us about things that are, are Middle East terrorism, you know, the, the different, all the different alliances that you thought you knew. I mean, if you were following the Middle East and U.S. policy in the Middle East for the past, say, 35 years, you remember the Gulf War, you remember uh, Saddam Hussein, you remember the, and then Ayatollah Khomeini back in the 80s, and then, of course, Osama bin Laden. And, and you know, it's been 12 years since bin Laden was captured. It was 12 years ago this month. And as Joel noted and writes about in his new book called The Libyan Diversion, a lot of the alliances that you remember from even 10 years ago have changed in the Middle East. And when you consider um, how the American media has become culpable to uh, looking at, say, the border crisis as humanitarian aid, you know, Christians I saw one pastor saying we, we need to do something to, you know, on the one hand, it's secure the border. That'll solve the problem. On the other hand, it's be kind and humane and welcome the sojourner. Uh, did you catch that statistic that Joel Rosenberg just shared as he was talking about his connection with Mike Pompeo and, and others in the White House? 5.7 million people have come into the country illegally through the Mexican border since Joe Biden took office in January 2021. Let that sink in. I mean, as far as we knew, there were anywhere between 11 and 21 million people here uh, illegally, undocumented, um, up to that point. And then the fact that there has been such a huge influx, I mean, it's not just the big push with the end of Title 42 uh, that it did last week, but there's been such a huge push over the past two and a half years that this administration doesn't really seem to care. And this is not, remember back in during the, the Trump years where they tried to make it, you know, look, well, here are these poor struggling people from Guatemala and Venezuela and this, that, and the other thing, and we're seeing even some Venezuelan immigrants now. But we're talking Chinese nationals, we're talking about people from the Middle East. We're not just talking about the unaccompanied minors and, and the fear of having kids in cages anymore. We're talking about grown people with weapons, trafficking drugs, trafficking people. I mean, it's just, it's really insane what's going on. You need to read Jill Rosenberg's book, The Libyan Diversion. And we have not one, not two, but three copies of this book to give away right now. 800-227-5278. 
800-227-5278 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. And if you have never gone to My Hope Now before to see what we po- post there at uh, uh, at that site, I encourage you to go. This is going to be a fun one. Joel and I had a chance to do this interview, as you could tell by the sound quality. He was on Zoom, on a Zoom camera, and I was on our Zoom camera as well. And we played the audio for you here. The video, as Tamara's been diligently working in the background, putting that video together, and you can watch the video of Joel Rosenberg and yours truly um, at myhopenow.com. You just scroll down, you'll see five different options for you to click onto. You can see the National Crawford Roundtable podcast is there on the far left with the uh, red, white, and blue logo. And then Bob Duco is next to that. And then next to that is Neil Boron. And then next to that, you see my mug with the uh, bottom line show. And then John Rush is on the far right, which is great because John is on the far right. But anyway, if you go, I have to warn you, uh, when you go looking for video, Tamara and I kind of get a little crazy with the video at myhopenow.com. If you go and click on Bob, you maybe get one new interview a week, Neil, one every couple of weeks, John, every blue moon, because John's not really big on the video. We put up, I'd say, an average of three to four videos a week. And these are video interviews or uh, rants from me in the studio or times when we do call-ins and you get a chance to hear you and see me. Uh, it, it's just, it's tons of fun. So if you want to experience the visual aspect of the Bottom Line Show, go to myhopenow.com and check that out. And by the way, keep calling in for Joel Rosenberg's book, The Libyan Diversion. 800 the number to get you through to the bottom line. Whew, <laughs> that was a pretty intense conversation with Joel Rosenberg. We need to take a load off here. We'll take a quick break and when we come back, the Academy of Country Music Entertainer of the Year puts on a lesson in servant leadership at the event and you will not believe what this guy actually did after the award ceremony. How's that for a teaser? It's coming up next as The Bottom Line continues. My thanks again to Joel Rosenberg for joining me today here on The Bottom Line to talk about his brand new novel called The Libyan Diversion. It's part of the Marcus Riker series, the fifth book in that uh, series, and uh, haven't had one in about five years. So it's nice to get him in on the program to talk about that. 800-227-5278-800-227-5278-800-227-5278, the number to get you through to The Bottom Line. Um, we have three copies of this book to give away. It is brand new. It just came out on Tuesday. So uh, get your name in the drawing here. We've got three opportunities for you to win. That means you have an excellent chance of getting a new novel by Joel Rosenberg. 800-227-5278-800-227-5278-800-227-5278 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. You know, uh, I am kind of a late to the dance guy when it comes to country music. Yeah, I know that was a... Where did that segue come from? It came from way out of left field. But I'm kind of late to the dance, but I'm glad I am, to country music. I was in my probably 30s, late 20s, early 30s. Late 20s when I first was introduced uh, by good friend Austin Hill, who's been with the Lord now for eight years, and I miss him terribly every day. Uh, Austin was a big country music fan. Uh, When we were working at KYMS in Orange County, I was the program director. He was the morning guy. Well, actually, he was the night jock at one point. I was doing mornings. And we used to take our middays sometimes and uh, head on up to L.A. and drop off audition tapes and hope to get into some of these radio stations that were up there. And my dream place was uh, KNX FM, Aero 93, whatever they were calling it back then, and uh, 93.1 on the FM dial. And uh, Austin's was 93.9, just down the road a piece, KZLA, country station. And to his credit, Austin got in. Uh, He was hired. He left KYMS uh, after about four years and uh, went to KCLA and did the overnight shift there for two or three years while he finished a master's degree at Talbot Seminary. And I always admired his dedication for doing that. Plus, he had a daytime job, and he did a lot of uh, talk shows, and uh, he was a great host and a great man of God. And uh, he and his wife, Nell, moved to Arizona, where he hosted a show for a couple of years, and then he was doing uh, the faith radio in uh, Minneapolis, doing that from his home in Boise, Idaho, uh, when one night, rather unexpectedly, in November of 2015, they had some friends over for dinner. And uh, he went upstairs after dinner and sat down at his barca lounger and had an aneurysm and went home to be with the Lord. Um, but 
Austin got me connected to Vince Gill and country music and you know he, he was just really big on that type of stuff he used to drive an old Ford truck and everything like that and so when it came to my aff affection for country music I started listening to it a lot because of him and um, then regular trips to Nashville for the National Religious Broadcasters Convention uh, which this year I'm not going to it's next week in Orlando and just the timing isn't right but uh, the year after that back in Nashville for sure and I've gotten to really appreciate a lot of the uh, people in the country music world um, who are people of faith, people who love America, love the Lord. Um, and, and I don't know if this next guy actually is a Bible-believing Christian. But I wanted to bring his story to light here as we wrap up this hour because of not what he said and not what he sings, but what he's done. Uh, his name is Chris Stapleton. I don't know if you are familiar with that name at all. He's kind of a burly looking dude uh hair way down past his shoulder big old beard powerhouse growling type of voice he was born in kentucky he's just kind of a casual laid back down to earth type of guy but man when he gets a hold of a song and it's the right song for his style he um he nails it and he's had several big uh top 10 smashes uh number one albums as a matter of fact uh, it was about a month ago here in Southern California. Uh, there's a place in the Coachella Valley out near Palm Springs and Joshua Tree, you know, the YouTube spot in 29 Palms where they have the uh, the uh, military station and Salton Sea, all those places in the Coachella Valley. There's a place in Indio, uh, the Empire Polo Grounds, where they have three weekends worth of music festivals. Two are these kind of alternative, who knows what, festivals the third week is something called stagecoach and in the past the stagecoach festival has hosted all the big country artists big acts and whatever and whoever headlines sunday night is usually the main guy and this year or girl and this year uh the headlining act to close the show is kind of a combo they started with brooks and dunn who've been retired for quite some time and came out of retirement because you know they say well we did still had a few more songs left to perform nah they came out they came out of retirement because the money was too good. But then after Brooks and Dunn, the main headliner to close down the Stagecoach Festival was Chris Stapleton. This was about, well, it's a couple weeks ago. Then the awards season kicked in and the Academy of Country Music Awards uh, were giving out all their, you know, best male vocalists, best female vocalists. You know how that stuff all works. And country music powerhouse Chris Stapleton, there he is again. Um, he took home the top prize last week, Entertainer of the Year. Kind of a humble guy, right? I mean, just, and, and quite frankly, he, he did it. He, he, his big hit was, a, it's a country standard called Tennessee Whiskey. And um, he sings it just as well as anybody else did. Um, he won the Entertainer of the Year Award at this year's Academy of Country Music Awards. But then... Um, it's not that's not what you know, his award speech was great very humble guy he says look i'm really shocked i mean by any imaginable metric i don't deserve this there are so many other great people in this category i get up there and try to play music every night i write songs i make records i never thought of myself as someone who should win this award but then he also thanked his wife he dedicated the award to his children but that's not what sent social media all a twitter literally or i guess it was instagram where this showed up a guy by the name of John Shearer, who was working on the, uh, was there kind of doing photography. He worked for Getty Images, you know, the places where you see those stock pictures on uh, social media or whatever. Uh, you, he takes the picture and you can buy him. He was at the Ford Center at the Star in Frisco, Texas, where the Academy of Music Awards handled, uh, was held. And there's one picture of Chris Stapleton that went viral and the reason it went viral, quite frankly, I think is because he was doing something that, well, um, you wouldn't see the entertainer of the year do in a good way. It was actually very biblical and God honoring. Think of this verse from Jesus. He who is greatest in the kingdom will be the servant of all. I'll tell you exactly what Chris Stapleton did after the ACM awards, after winning entertainer of the year, that people said really made him the star of the show. That's coming up next as the bottom line continues. 
One of the greatest gifts that we can give to an expectant mother is the gift of the first picture she'll ever have of her son or daughter in the womb. That comes through an ultrasound, and our friends at Preborn have an opportunity for us to make more of these ultrasounds a reality. Every time you give a donation of $28 to Preborn, that means one more ultrasound can take place. But how about giving enough money for an ultrasound machine? The cost is $15,000. It's a sizable investment. But every ultrasound machine can do 250 ultrasounds per year and lasts at least 10 years. Now take that cost $15,000 and divide that by 2,500. Okay, now you begin to see how the cost per ultrasound goes down even more once we have more ultrasound machines to donate into preborn clinics. Make a donation right now to preborn. It's completely tax deductible, and every penny, every dollar you donate right now is going to the purchase of an ultrasound machine. 833-850-BABY is the number to call. 833-850-2229 or go to kbrightradio.com. That's K-B-R-I-T-E radio.com. Click on the banner for Preborn and make your best donation right now. $25, $50, $100, it all counts towards saving babies' lives. kbrightradio.com. Hit the Preborn banner right now. Welcome back to the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. A few moments left for you to call in and win one of the three copies of Joel Rosenberg's book, The Libyan Diversion, that we have up at thebottomlineshow.com, 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, the number to get you through to the bottom line. I told you uh, just a moment ago about Chris Stapleton, if you're a country music fan, you know that he won the Academy of Country Music's Entertainer of the Year award at the 58th annual ACM awards. It was held at, uh, in Frisco, Texas at the Ford theater of the star. But what really got people talking was not the award, but it was what happened after the events. John Shearer is a photographer for Getty images. And he was just in the room, getting his camera together, getting ready to leave. It's just nobody, but the cleanup crew. And he found Chris Stapleton still in the room. Stapleton didn't know anybody else was watching him, and he picked up a leaf blower. Now, you know those blower things they use for sidewalks. Well, there's all sorts of confetti and stuff that flew down on the ground, and so rather than try to vacuum this stuff up, they use a leaf blower. And here's Chris Stapleton, unprompted, pitching in and helping the cleanup crew. The picture that he posted said, uh, Entertainer of the Year Chris Stapleton photographed at the end of the night at the 58th Annual Academy of Country Music Awards. That's all it said. And there's Chris Stapleton blowing confetti with a blower. Uh, his wife, Morgan, uh, Morgan, rather, wrote, I love this so much. Lainey Wilson, who was a female country vocalist of the year, uh, had a song and he quoted her and said, well, if you're going to be a dreamer, you better be a doer. And when she said, uh, uh, when she won the female artist of the year, she used that in her acceptance speech as well. But don't you love it? The greatest in the kingdom, the servant of all. On a night when Chris Stapleton was crowned entertainer of the year by the Academy of Country Music Awards, he hung around after the awards show and helped the cleaning crew clean up. What kind of world would we be living in right now if we in the body of Christ actually lived out that kind of servant leadership as well? If anybody should be doing it, I think it should be us. That's the good news, and that's the bottom line. KCBC audience, enjoy the rest of your day. Rabbi Schneider coming up next and Discovering the Jewish Jesus. For those who remain on the network, the three-man edition of the National Crawford Roundtable coming up next as the bottom line continues. So keep it right here.